I don't know what we do without you, Lord, but I thank you. You didn't leave us orphans. You've allowed these bodies to become your temple and a place for you to dwell. I don't fully grasp that with the understanding, but the God of the universe dwelling in these bodies that are or were worthless and sinful and defiled beyond help, but yet somehow through what you did on the cross, Lord, you bought us. You, you, you bought us with a price. You cleansed us with your own blood, your own sacrifice, and we have become the abiding place for your spirit. And Lord, I thank you that your word is life and it's spirit and it's no different now than when you were here in the flesh, Lord. Your word is still living, it's still powerful, it's still spirit. And Lord, I pray it would be conveyed in that spirit, Lord, that you would speak it into our hearts this morning. I need you, Lord. I need you. Just put me aside, Lord. Exchange me for yourself, Lord, and let the anointing cause the word to bring about what you desire to bring about in all the hearts here and all that are listening, Lord. They're your words, Lord. They're from your mouth, from your heart, Lord, and we want to receive them as they were from you, Lord. We want them to produce in us what only you can produce, Lord. So help us to receive. Help us to have ears to, to hear what you're saying to us, Lord. So we thank you, and, and we do trust you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to kind of continue on the same vein that we were in last week. We talked about uh, what does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? Do we understand even our need for that? Um, so I want to kind of continue in that. So with that, I'm going to share a little bit out of Acts chapter 1. But I want to say this to you this morning. And I want us to remember a little bit what the disciples are dealing with here. And, and really, at its base, at, at the core of it, they're scared. They're afraid. They were afraid in John chapter 14 when he started telling them, I'm leaving. And what did he say? Don't be afraid. I'm leaving, but really, I'm not. Because I'm sending a helper. I'm sending me. You understand, it's him. It's not a thing. It's not a power. It's him. It's himself. He said, I will be in you. Just as I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, I will be in you. Not an it, not a thing, a person. I will be in you. I'm going to live my life through you. Everything I did, you're going to do. Everything I am, you will become. That's the miracle of the gospel. You understand the exchanging of what we are for himself. 
changed more and more into his image. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want that more than anything. So that's what's going on here. They have proven they're not like him. They don't have what he had. And he's helped them. He's been with them 40 days. And, and he's instructed them. He's, he's encouraged them. He's, he's reassured them, even though they all blew it. But yet that was part of the plan. And so he tells them in Acts 1 there, being assembled together with them, he commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And we all know it happened. They were baptized, and these same men that, like one man says, were a bunch of clowns like the Three Stooges before, all of a sudden they're turning the world upside down. What happened? Well, they left, and a greater one stepped in, in their place. And he began living his life through them in a greater way because they finally came to a place where they understood their need. So if you are going through a trial, if life has been hard, if you're going through a time maybe you're perplexed or you feel pressured or God has just allowed things into your life and, and you, you maybe don't understand what's happening, it's God. He's wanting to draw you. He, he's trying to get your attention. He wants to make you more hungry. He wants to create faith in you to believe him for what he promised to give you, himself. It's him, you understand, it's Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of Jesus and what he might make you do or make you be. It's Jesus. They loved him. Their hearts were breaking. They knew he called them. They understood a little bit or were coming to understand that we can't do this. Why are you leaving? We need you, Jesus. Don't leave us. We can't do this without you. And his, again, encouragement was, don't be afraid. Remember what I told you? Go and wait until I give you what I promise. So I want to talk about the blessing today. It's funny, I notice on the website, depending on the title, you get quicker hits than you do. Like, like if it sounds hard, like the crucified life, it doesn't get as many hits. The blessing, everyone's going to click on that, but they don't know what they're clicking on. <laughs> Right? Don't we all want blessing? Yeah. Tell, preach it, Pastor. All right. I'm gonna. <laughs> um, as I look at my own life and see, have seen in the Bible and, and throughout the centuries, the men, the women, God has used to turn the world upside down. There's a quality about them. 
And I'm going to read this. This is out of a book called They Found the Secret. And it's just testimonies of one after another, after another, after another. Uh, again, people that we revere, they're part of the heroes of faith we read about in Hebrews 11. But this is what it says about their lives, okay, and how they came into the promise of Jesus himself, the blessing of being full of the Holy Spirit, and finally coming to a place where they ceased and a greater one took their place. So the pattern of their experience is much the same. They had believed on the Savior. In other words, they had put their faith in Christ. They were children of God. But they were burdened. They were bewildered. They were unfruitful at times, unfaithful, always yearning for a better way, never achieving by their efforts a better life. And I could say by trying to strive in the flesh. And they came to a crisis of utter heart surrender to the Savior, a meeting with him in their innermost depths of their spirit, and they found the Holy Spirit, Jesus, to be an unfailing fountain of life and refreshment. Jesus said, out of your belly, out of your heart, out of your inner being, living waters will overflow. That to me sounds like abundance. That doesn't sound like a little or a trickle. That was a promise. My life will be so abundant in you, it's going to overflow. It's going to burst forth from you constantly like a well that's been tapped and is just gushing with my life. Is that our experience all the time? Thereafter, life was never again the same because in one way or another, they had learned what the Apostle Paul had testified. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, I'm constantly fixed on Jesus, and I know where my help comes from, and every moment, every second, my strength, everything I need comes from him. It's the only way, people, who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, their life had been exchanged for his life. That's what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to receive the blessing of God in your life. It means to have him. Not a new car, not things, not possessions, not good health even necessarily. He might allow something into your life. We might cause things to happen in our lives out of disobedience or sin. We're not promised health and prosperity. That is a false gospel. We're actually promised a cross. We're promised suffering, but yet we're promised abundant life in the midst of it. We're we're promised that we could actually have joy. We're promised to be blessed with life, with Jesus, more abundantly. 
So that's what, when we think about blessing, that's what we mean. God's favor, God's promises being fulfilled in our lives. Not our wishes, not our desires. His promises, what he intends to do. It means all of that operating in our lives. That's blessing. So what one man was asked, uh, what does a, a man of God look like? His name was Martin Lloyd-Jones. I believe he was an English man. Is that right, English man? He was a theologian. Yeah, he was from England. So he was asked one time, what does a man of God look like? To which he replied, he walks with a limp. Hmm. Ah. I've been mentioning Jacob here and there to a few people. He walks with a limp. So often in our modern day and age, we think that a man who walks with God is someone who's famous, powerful, eloquent, rich, and so on and so forth. But we don't see over and over and over again in the Bible that people God would bless and use, or what we see, I'm sorry, uh, are people who walk with a limp, including the Apostle Paul. You understand what it's saying? They were people that were weak. They were people with infirmities. They were people um, that weren't considered by the world to be great men, great people. They were the nobodies. They were the nothings. Like Paul says, Right? I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The base, the vile, the, the nothing. Why? So that no flesh would glory in his presence. That people would know that's God. You know, just thinking about the disciples. Um, these are just dumb Galileans. You know, how is it? You know, they're speaking the words of God. How is this possible? They've been with Jesus. So I want to look at, briefly, a man who walked with a limp, but learned the secret of obtaining the blessing, the exchange life, okay? And we're just going to look at it briefly. I'm not going to break it down. All I just want to touch on a couple of things uh, from Jacob's encounter with God. But before I, I get into it, I want to give a little background on Jacob's life. He's the son of Isaac, who is also the son of Abraham. So he's the third. You know, we hear all the time, uh, according to the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's a main player in God's working with Israel. He's the heir from Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob. And now God is going to establish his people through Jacob. His people Israel, whom we'll see Jacob becomes. Because something happens in his life where he is exchanged for another life. Even, God even changes his name from one encounter with God. But really, it was many things leading up to this encounter. And that's what we're going to look at, the encounter. But um, Jacob's life from the birth 
was a life of struggle where he, he was basically usurping or getting the blessing by manipulation, by con. His name, Jacob, means usurper. That's what his name means. Names in the Bible are very important. They typically um, tell us a lot about the one whom the Bible is talking about. So Jacob, the usurper, uh, his life was a never-ending struggle. His family had a lot of issues. You know, this should encourage us. When I read like the line Jesus come from, I am very encouraged because they were messed up, just like we are. They had some issues. It's crazy. But again, what does that show us? What does it really show us? He really does choose the foolish things of the world. And we, we say, God, you had to do that. There's no way these people could have did this. You did it through them. It really is amazing. So you, his family was characterized by deep-seated hostility. And like I said earlier, he was a con artist who had been con. He was a liar who had been lied to. He was a manipulator who had been manipulated. In many ways, he lived up to his name. Another way to say it is heel catcher. And that, even in birth, he's grabbing his brother, the firstborn's heel. No, I'm first. I'm going to be first. And later, he deceives his brother out of his birthright with soup. He, he deceives the blessing from his father by pretending to be his brother by putting, you know, camel's hair because his brother was really hairy and he made his father's soup. I mean, just crazy. You read this stuff and you're like, really, God, you're in all this somehow. So God in Genesis 28 had promised Jacob. He reiterated the promise that he had promised to Abraham and to Isaac that he would become a great nation through whom the whole world would be blessed. Talk about a promise. Talk about some weight on your shoulders. I mean, how would you like it if God appeared to you and said, through you, the whole world's going to be blessed? <laughs> That's a big call on your life, huh? <laughs> I'm thankful. I'm just called to Dry Ridge, not the whole world. But really, I am called to the whole world. Share, share the gospel with the whole world. Still Jacob, at this time, even though God had promised him this, was a man full of fear and anxiety. Full of fear and anxiety. And typically someone that wants to control things and manipulate are full of fear and anxiety because they haven't learned to trust the Lord and the rest of them God has said. Nope, I got to make this happen. Nope, I got to take care of this. That was Jacob. So, um, where we're at now is he's um, had to flee because his brother Esau, when he had cheated him out of his blessing, basically said, you're a dead man. I, when I get the chance, when dad dies, you're dead. And one of the servants heard him say that and he told Jacob and his mother's like, you need to get out of here. So he's, he's left Canaan, he's left the promised land, he had to flee, 
And he's been gone for years. He met his wife. I'm not going to get into all the history. And then even the wife's father, you know, Laban was deceiving. And then Jacob had to deceive. And there was this whole thing. And Jacob acquires a whole lot of uh, uh, livestock and wealth and peoples. He's becoming what God said he would become. And now he has to flee. He's got to get away from this guy because God tells him, go home. It's time to go. It's time to inherit. It's time for me to fulfill my promise to you. So God bless him. He's obedient. He goes. But on the way, he hears that Esau is coming out to meet him. And he's got 400 men with him. And he's, okay. Uh, He's coming. He's got 400 men. This is not good. And so he starts again. I got to figure this out on my own. Forget that God told me to go and he'll fight. Forget all that. God's with me. No, I got to take care of it. So he starts sending presents and all kinds of stuff before him to Esau to try and appease him or whatever. So where we're at now in this whole situation is... He's done all this, but the next morning, it's time to meet Esau, and he's afraid. He's he's afraid. So that's where we are in this passage uh, in Genesis 32, verse 22. So he arose that night, and he took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and he, he crossed over the ford uh, Jabbok, and he took them, he sent them over the brook, he sent over all he had, and then Jacob was left alone. Now, he basically was, in his best efforts, trying to seek God. He got away from everyone. This is so important. And, and I want to encourage you, when you get away from things, when you set yourself to get with God, he sees that. And he saw Jacob. He saw Jacob. He understood what was going on inside. And, and he met him in that prayer or that time, that solitude, in a very strange way. Now, I used to be a wrestler in high school, so when I read it, I picture this scene. You know, they're wrestling. You know, wrestling's all about, you know, taking the guy down and grabbing. And it's, it's like, to me, it, it's, it's one of the hardest sports because it's you and that person, and it's nonstop, and, and it's all about conditioning. You need endurance. Otherwise, you will be laid flat on your back. So, so just keep that in mind. Wrestling, it's like there's no timeouts in wrestling. There, there are, but they're short. You know, uh, but from what I read here, there wasn't a timeout. It just went all night. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But it says he's there, he's left alone, and a man wrestled with him. It's kind of odd. It doesn't explain anything. It it just, all of a sudden, there's a guy there and he's wrestling with him. It's kind of odd the way it's written. But God does that on purpose because we want to figure everything out. There was a man there wrestling with him. I don't know how he got there. He just appeared. <laughs> it doesn't matter, really. Right? Um, 
until he wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So it was probably around midnight, and so I don't know when the sun, it was at least six hours. I think a period back then was a, a minute or something. Anybody remember? I don't know, it was so long ago in high school. Uh, what? Two minutes. Thanks, Rob. And what was the break? A minute? Something like that. Two minutes seemed like two hours, that's all I'll say, um, depending on your opponent. But all night, six hours. Then, uh, now, when he saw that he did not prevail against them, in other words, Jacob is hanging. Uh, but we're going to see, really, it, I thought about this. It'd be like J.J. coming up here and, you know, come on, J.J., we're going to wrestle. And I'm just kind of, okay, and he's, I'm like, okay, all right. You know, and I'm just biding my time. I'm letting him do his thing. He thinks, yeah, I'm doing pretty good here. That's what's going on here. That's what's going on here. Because Jacob does not realize yet. But as the dawn comes and the faces come into view, all of a sudden something happens. And he's made aware of who it is he's wrestling with. Because it says... Um, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. So this is important because, again, wrestling is all about the hip. I mean, that's the main strength. Without that, you're dead. Okay? So he touches him in the strongest place in this conflict, the strongest muscle. He touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled him, and he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So I want us to notice something here. Jacob's not wrestling anymore. He's holding on. There's a difference. He's not fighting. He's clinging. There's a difference, and there, there comes a time in our prayer Instead of fighting and striving, we cling. We come to an end of ourselves. God somehow in his mercy helps us understand that actually what we're doing is fighting against him and we need to just surrender. And we need to just hold on to what he has promised. Okay, that's what was going on with the disciples. They were all about yeah, Peter, you know, when he said, I'll die for you, I can do this, I'll wrestle, I can do this in my own strength. And God had to let him go through his dark night so he can come to the understanding, no, I have to cling to him, I have to cling to what he promised. I cannot do this without him. That's what's happening here. God is weakening, oh, God is taking away Everything Jacob has relied on in the past. Because he's a conniver. He's going to make it happen. He's going to wrestle it out of God. But now he's clinging. No. Because he knew who he was. Even though he asked, what's your name? He knew who it was. Because he says it. He names the place after it. It's God. Let me go. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said, this is important. What is your name? And, and God has to sometimes remind us of what we are. 
I think that's why I asked him, what's your name? Jacob. In other words, I'm the usurper. That's who I am. You know who I am. No, I want you to say it. I want you to say who you are. What's your name? See, we have to acknowledge that when God comes and when God is trying to show us and God says, who are you? What have you you've been doing? What have you been trusting other than me? What are you clinging to other than me? What's your name? What are you looking to other than me? What's your name? My name's Jacob. And he said, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me, I pray. Uh, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why do you ask my name? In other words, you know who I am. (laughs) Don't we do that sometimes? God, is this you? It's him. Whatever you're going through, whatever God has allowed into your life, it's God and it's him you're wrestling. It's him you're, you're striving against. You don't have to question because God is sovereign and everything that comes into our lives is filtered through his hands. And he's in it, he's involved in it, and he's trying to simply bless you. Really, that's what it's about. He's wanting to bless you. He's wanting to give you more of himself. God is always wanting to give and bless. We're the ones that uh, cause him to have to withhold it because he knows we're not in a place where we can simply receive it. We're still, we still think it, it depends on something with us or something I do instead of clinging and simply believing what he promised. And that's where God is getting Jacob to, where he'll just believe, didn't I promise you? Did you forget what I told you? You are going to be a great nation. The whole world's going to be blessed. Why are you fretting about meeting Esau tomorrow? The land is yours. I've promised it to Abraham, your grandfather, to Isaac, your father. I haven't changed my mind. God doesn't change his mind. His promises are yes and amen. It really was at that touch that Jacob knew it was God. No man could do that. Just touch. And the muscle shrivels and it goes out of joint. So, why is it you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place uh, Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. So he knew. It was God. I saw God. And I'm still alive. So I'm just going to read. This is from uh, a commentator. Uh, It was at this touch which Jacob discovers the almighty power of him with whom he has been contending. The whole nature now of Jacob, everything Jacob was now bows before God. That's such a wonderful place to be. 
That's, that's the upper room stance or spirit. It really is the, the spirit of poverty where I finally come to the conclusion I have absolutely nothing within myself and I am here at your feet, Jesus, because only you have what I need. We don't go there naturally. So God has to bring us into these, this place uh, for him, it was, I got to meet Esau. Whatever the trial is, whatever it is, that was huge for him. And really, it was right at the edge of the promise. It was right there. I mean, this was like the last obstacle. And sometimes, you know, and when you read the testimonies that I shared a little bit out of that book, you see they all came to a climax. They all, everything in their lives led up to this one moment where they're right there, that's not the time to give up and start questioning God. I've been praying for this. I don't know how long. I don't feel anything different. I'm still this. I'm still that. But whatever it is you're complaining to God about, it's not his fault. We're the one that delay things. We're the ones but in his mercy, because he loves his children, because he wants what's best for us, he allows those things into our life. He gets us to the place. Some it takes longer than others. I know for me, I'm a hardhead. I need it a lot of different ways. But I'm so thankful. Even to this day, he just continually shows me how weak I am. Allows sleepless nights, just... You know, like kind of what we heard from uh, Troy a couple of weeks ago. Battles in the mind. Just places where you feel like you're going to go insane. You read that in the book of these great saints of old. They all experience these things. It's normal. It's not some weird thing that I'm going through. It's God wanting to bless us. That's really all it is. So, he sees now. How foolish and vain has been his obstinate persistence in striving to trick God out of the blessing. You're not going to trick God or wrest it from him. Now he owns his utter incapacity to advance one more step in the way. Until we get to that place, we will not have the blessing of God on our lives. It's so important. So he passes from wrestling to praying with tears. As Hosea says, Hosea speaks of, of uh, Jacob in Hosea 12, I believe. He sobs from a broken heart of a strong man. I will not let you go except you bless me. In making this transition from boldness and persistence of self-confidence to the boldness of faith and humility... Jacob becomes Israel. Same could be said of the disciples. Simon, I believe, finally became Peter, the rock. He definitely was not a rock until after the day of Pentecost, until after God sifted him and he realized how weak he was. And then finally, he just simply clung to the promise. Don't worry, guys. I'm not going to leave you alone. Don't be afraid. 
yeah, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send a helper. Wait, believe me for that until you receive it. Now again, that can happen immediately or we can prolong it. It's, it just depends on and how long we keep resisting and, and keep thinking that somehow we can do it on ourselves, or we're trusting in, in someone else or something else or we just simply are not believing God for what he has promised to us. And I want to encourage you. I, uh, I sent a video to someone the other day. Just, if I can say it in a nice way, I get tired of trying to debate about the Holy Spirit. I really do. I'm just being honest with you. And when you get online, you see why it has become such a problem. You have all these guys, they got their ministries online are all about just picking this apart, picking that. Well, this is how I see it. Well, this is how I see it. And, and there's so much confusion. And then the problem is Christians go there and because so-and-so said whatever, that's what I believe. Don't you believe everything I tell you? All I am telling you is get in the word of God like a little child. Read it like a little child and just look at it. Look plainly at it and you tell me what you see. That's all I ask you to do. Get on your knees in humility and pray and say, God, You speak to me. I don't care about someone's opinion. I need you to speak to me. I need to know what you say because that's all that matters. The day we start following a man, me or whoever, we are in trouble. I'm not mad. (laughs) But it upsets me. It upsets me because God is not a God of confusion. He just isn't. Man causes all these problems. We need so much more humility in the church and the body of Christ. We, need, we really do need to become little children. We've gotten too smart. We really have. You know, it says of the disciples, they were unlearned men. That doesn't mean we don't study, we don't learn theology. I had to do all of that. It's important. But the minute we start relying on this thing, which sometimes is our worst enemy, we're in trouble. The, the, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. So we need the Holy Spirit even in our studies. We need the Holy Spirit to show us what's right. So that's, you get on your knees and you say, Holy Spirit, teach me, show me. Because like I've said before, I want, and I know it's becoming more and more real to me, I need everything God has for me. And I don't care what anybody thinks. I care what God thinks. And I've proven to myself over and over and over again, I can't do it. I don't have love. I don't have anything for anybody unless he comes and fills me to where his life is overflowing through my life to others. What did Peter say when the guy at the temple, he says, I don't have money. I don't have 
what you need, but Jesus does. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He understood after Pentecost, this ain't us. And trust me, the people knew it wasn't them. Because they knew what, who these guys were. Jacob wasn't the same Jacob after that. Did he still have issues? Of course. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but something changes. We cross over to where now it's him instead of us. Or I should say more of him and less of us. And that's a good thing. So I'm going to uh, kind of wrap it up with John 14. But I'm going to read John 13. I read a little bit before we started service. Because I emphasized this last week. The blessing of the Holy Spirit includes everything we see in the Bible, okay? Nothing has, as far as I can see, as humbly as I've tried to get over the word and look at scriptures and, you know, listen to all the arguments, as far as I can see, where I'm at right now is nothing has ceased. The same power, all the same things the early church operated in, they're still for us today. They just are. And we need it, especially when I see the issues we're facing today. But, like I read in the beginning of service, don't come to me speaking in tongues and there's no love in your life. Because you know what? It means nothing. Don't come to me telling me you got faith to move mountains and there's no love in your life. Don't tell me you raised someone from the dead and there's no love in your life. You understand where I'm getting at? But yet Paul says, but yet, although, you should still seek earnestly the gifts. Okay. But major on this one. And that's why I read 1 Corinthians 13. Because love is the greatest manifestation. And Jesus understood it. And that's why he said this to his disciples before he was going to leave. So again, Jesus is about to leave. So what he's saying is important. So he says to them in verse 36, because Jesus is basically like, I'm leaving. Uh, This is chapter 13. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I am going? You cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. I still got something for you to do here, Peter. And Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? We're we're just like these guys. Why not? We're like little kids. It really is hilarious. God is so patient. He is a loving father. He really is. Oh, man. Why not? Why can't I follow you now? Um, I will lay down my life for your sake. Oh, will you? So again, there it is. And Jesus knows, no, you won't, Peter. That's you. That's you. See, you're not ready yet. No, you won't. Jesus said, will you lay down your life for my sake? 
Again, remember, that's the greatest manifestation of love, that one would lay his life down for his friend. Okay? So it's love. Will you, Peter? I say to you, no, he says, most assuredly. When Jesus says that, it's a sure thing. Okay? It's not like me saying, brother, if you did this, you're... well, maybe. If Jesus says it, it's going to happen. Trust me. Most assuredly, I say to you, um, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. He didn't say it, and one time it's going to be to a girl. <laughs> so now in John 14, they're obviously troubled. We can look at the world today. We can maybe, if you have children, look at your children, uh, just your own life, your own struggles, but just where things are going and maybe we're scared like Jacob. Maybe we're like the disciples, like, I don't know, man. I don't know how we're going to do this. How am I going to navigate this? How do I help my kids through this? How do we reach this generation, you know, and it could be, and we're scared. And we're seeking the Lord. I, this church, I know we're seeking the Lord. But people, God is getting us to a place. He, he's trying to help us. We don't realize in many ways we're still wrestling with him. We're still thinking we got, it's something with us. It's something I do. I got to make this happen. And God's trying to get us to the place where we just cease and stop. Let him put the finger on things. There's something in our lives. There's a strength in you. He needs to touch and shrink. And you need to be praying what that is. It's something you rely on. It's something that causes unbelief in your life. It's something that causes you not to trust him. And he'll touch that place if you let him. And he will make whatever it is you trusted in the weakest part of you. And it will be a good thing because then his strength will be manifested in that weakness. Amen. You might limp, but that's all right. People will know that guy's been with God. Look at him limp. <laughs> right? So what does Jesus say in John 14 that he wants to say to you today? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe in me. Also, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. But Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would also have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and it's enough. In other words, God, just help us to see you and it will be okay. And then he says these words to him. Have I been with you so long and you have not known me? He could have said that to Jacob. Have I not been with you so long? I've sent you angels. I've appeared to you. And you still don't believe me? 
He saw God, Jacob. After that, he finally clung. His eyes are opened and he saw God. You think that encouraged him? That I saw God? God reaffirmed the promise? I saw him. And we know, you know, just to throw this in, he met Esau. It was all fine. Sometimes we worry, we get all in it, and we project. I'm sure he was projecting, and he was. He split his companies. They're going to kill us. At least we all won't die. You know, I'll split up. That's what we're like when trials come, and we're trying to figure it out and presuppose what's going to happen. And God already knows the outcome. He just wants us to believe him. Amen. Have I been with you so long? You have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you see? Show us the Father. <laughs> Do you not believe I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. That's a key phrase. The Father who dwells in me, he's the one that does the works. My life glorifies him. That's important because of what he says after this. I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, here it is, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. It's because I'm leaving. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if anything you ask in my name, I will do it. So if you love me, Keep my commandments. Do what I said. Do what I said. Keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. Here it is. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. It's Jesus. It's not a thing. It's not a it. It's Jesus. Just as the Father was in Jesus, Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit is in us. But how much does he work through us? How much does he glorify the Father through us? See, we can't do that in our own strength, and that's why he has to get us to the place where we'll believe him for the power to do that. Don't be afraid. Yeah, Jesus went away, but he's still here. He was here this morning. He's still here. Man, was he here in worship. If, if none of you have known him, known his presence, my prayer for you today is you would open your heart to him. 
the first key, if you don't know him, if the spirit of God is not dwelling you, if you're not a child of God, you don't understand what I'm talking about right now. It makes no sense to you. That's okay. But all I am telling you is, um, if you will acknowledge, if the Holy Spirit, because he does convict of sin, he does help you understand. If you don't resist it, you can resist it. It says that in John chapter 3. The lights come, but men resist. Romans talks about it. They suppress. We can suppress it. But if you'll humble yourself and you'll let the Holy Spirit convict you and you'll come to the place where you understand you are a sinner through and through, there is no hope for you. You are dead in trespasses and sins and the misery you live in now without God will be a million times worse when you die without him. But he is still here. And guess what? He is in a person. He is in people. And it's him speaking to you. It's him who has been pleading to you. It's him who has been beckoning you to come to him. To repent. To, to have your sins washed clean. So that you can know him. So his spirit can come live inside of you. So you can know his love. And when we worship... It's real. It's not just some songs. It's coming out of a knowledge that only he can give you. There's nothing like it. Nothing. So, don't be afraid. I could say that to you, his children, but also anyone here, you don't know him. Don't be afraid. What are you afraid of? Is your life so great now? You know, you read over and over these celebrities, these people that we would look at, they, they commit suicide. They're miserable. Why? They get what they think is going to fulfill them, but nothing fulfills them, and so they're miserable. They take drugs. They, try to, they don't know how to cope because they're dead. They're not seeing right. They're like walking tombs. It's so sad. It's so sad, and God loves them. And I'm sure he's reached out. I'm sure he's tried to help them to see, but riches blind. The world blinds people. It says, this is what you need. This is what will make you happy. And the devil is just like that. And then once he has you, he tells you it's better for you to die, that you're worthless, that there's no hope for you. That's what he's like. He's a deceiver. But Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. And I am the life. So don't be afraid. If he's been convicting you, you, you don't wait another day to give your life to God. Please. You don't want to find out when it's too late. That will be the gnawing worm that will never die. I listened. Something in me was telling me it was true, but I just, I didn't want to give up my sin. I didn't want to give up what I wanted. And now I'm ruined for, it'll be horrible on that day. More horrible than words can express. 
Because you will realize you are lost for all of eternity. There's no hope. And what you thought was hell on earth it is nothing compared to where you are now. I can't make that real to you. It's true. I can't even express to you in words what that means and looks like. But God obviously understood it and was willing to go die on a cross to save you from it. And to reject that is to doom your eternity. It's to seal your fate. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. If he is convicting you, if, if you've been in this church before and there's been altar calls and you've resisted, I'm not ready. And really it's because you want to do what you want to do. You don't want to give your life to God. You want to continue pursuing what you want. But what you want is death. It might seem right to you. The Bible says it seems right, but in the end, it's death. God is here. He's offering you life, and you are not promised tomorrow. I don't know why I have an urgency in my heart today for some of you. This isn't about scaring people into the kingdom. It's reality. It's truth. And that's why God pleads with you. That's why God has been arranging and working in your life to, to get your attention, to wake you up. He's saying to you today, do not take one more step. You are about to step over a cliff. Hearken unto the Lord while he is speaking to you. I'll finish with this song. And really, this is uh, for all of us. The blessing is Jesus, people. Let's not get hung up on all the side issues, okay? I'm gonna, I, I might preach on tongues next week. A uh, little tension in the room. Yeah, I'm going to teach on tongues. I'm going to teach what it is, what does it look like, and why it's so important for every believer. Because I see it in Scripture. Okay? So we're going to be looking at that next week. I'm giving you a heads up. Okay? And it's important. And you'll see why next week. It's very important. But I'm not talking about that today. So don't worry about that today. All right? I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about Jesus. Listen, I love Jesus. I've given him my life. He's never made me do anything weird or he's never done anything to me to hurt me. Everything he's given me helps me. Everything. Because he loves me. Every gift from my father is good that he's given to me. And I'm thankful. So the blessing is Jesus himself. So we're not seeking after a thing, a power. We're seeking Jesus. We're taught in scripture not to seek experience. We're taught to seek the Lord. Okay, so that's what this is all about, seeking the Lord. It's his life, it's his power that's manifested through us. So I'm going to just read this song, and we're going to close. Once it was the blessing, but now it's the Lord. Once it was the feeling, now it's his word. Once the gift I wanted, 
Now I want him. I want the giver. Once I sought healing, now himself alone. Once was painful trying. Are you tired? Now it's just peaceful trust. Once a half salvation, now the uttermost. Once was ceaseless holding, now he holds me fast. Once was constant drifting, now my anchor is cast. Once was busy planning, now is trustful prayer. Once was anxious caring, now he has the care. Once it was what I wanted, now it's what he says. Once was constant asking, now it's ceaseless praise. Rose's dad is at home dying. It's been hard. We pray with her mother every day. Her mom's, they're like, when I think about her mom and Jose, they're like attached to the hip. He's 95, she's 80-something, and she's just there holding his hand, and each day he's just slipping more and more, and we call every day and we pray with him. It's been hard. Praise God, he came to the Lord in his 80s. She prayed for him for years and years. Hard character. Um, I'll never forget the day he broke down in tears in his wheelchair and accepted Jesus. And now he just lays in the bed and reaches up. I don't know what he's seeing, but I think he's seeing a welcome and he's like, I'm ready. But, you know, I won't deny it's, it's been hard. So Josh knew that and he, he called Rose or told Rose, hey, if you don't want to worship today, because we got to come in early for the worship team. She's old, she said, no, I need to worship we were taught that early on. Um, no, that's when you especially need to worship. And that, so that's what this is kind of saying. Uh, once was constant. Actually, now it's ceaseless praise, no matter what's going on. Just going to praise him. He's good. Once was my working. Now it's his. Once I tried to use him. Man, did he convict me on that yesterday? He convicted me on that. It was almost like, why are you asking me all this? You're always coming to me to help you. What about when you don't feel the need? Why aren't you coming to me then? I was, he really convicted me. He said, basically, aren't I enough for you? Do you just want to use me? It was for this message. You know, oh, God, help me. Why? So you give a good message? Really? Why? <laughs> What's the motive there? Yeah, I'm bearing my heart a little here. No, Jesus, I'm sorry. I just want you to be glorified. We need to hear from you, Lord. I had to do some serious repenting. See, if we, we, we let God show us, he'll show us. But then you got to agree. You got to be willing to agree. Even if you just have a hard time to believe you would actually do that. You would. And so would I. It's just in us. That's why we need him so bad. 
Once I tried to use them, now use me. Once the power I wanted. You want power? Why? Why do you want power? But now the mighty one. Once for self I labored, but now for him alone. So can we make it about Jesus? Can we? Because Jesus is a blessing. To have his presence is a blessing. That's what Jacob got. That's what the disciples got. They got Jesus. He said, I'll be in you. I'm going to come to you. I'm not just going to be in you. I'm going to be on you, over you, overflowing out of you. You could settle for whatever you want. I want it all. I want all of Jesus. So I can be like him, love like him, walk like him. These hands, these feet, this mouth can do everything he did so that people won't say, oh, oh, Pastor Jeff. No, they'll say, Jesus. They'll look at this congregation. They'll look at your love for one another. They'll say, Jesus is real. God is real. Look at those people. That's not going to happen until we're full of Jesus. So as I close, who here wants the blessing? Who wants it? All right. It will mean the exchange of your life for his. So you'll have to decide what it is about your life you're still wrestling with God about. Okay? And then let him touch that area of your life. So I'm going to open the altar this morning um, for, for God's people, mainly for prayer, and, and really just as an act of um, surrender. Like if you know what it is already, or, or you're just saying, Lord, I must know. I don't want anything in my life. Um, I, I need your help, Lord. He helped Jacob. He helped him. Um, you're going to come up, but I want you to wait, okay? First... Um, I want to make an appeal to those that God has already spoke to. I read a testimony of a man, and this is how it was over 100 years ago. We've made coming to God too easy. You know, oh, just come up here and ask Jesus into your life. That's too easy. Raise your hand, you know, if you want Jesus. You don't read that in the old days, Oh, well, that's the old days. Things have changed. No, they never change. It never changes how we come to God. What you read in the old days is people that came under severe conviction, people that were horrified to, to stand up and be known. Pastors that were already pastors for years, knowing I got to go down there. I've been a fraud. I'm not living in what this guy's talking about. And you know what? I'm at the point, I don't care what anybody thinks. All I know is I have a need, and God is here for me, and, and I need what he has. And, and some of you need salvation. You need salvation. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be undone. You need to understand how bad your condition really is. That's the only way you're going to understand how wonderful 
what he did on the crosses. If you don't see that, you might come down here and pray a prayer. You'll leave here and you'll go right back into your sinful lifestyle. That's not, that's not salvation. That's maybe you got emotional, God was speaking to you, whatever, and it seemed like a good idea. You knew you had problems, so maybe I should go down there. That's not going to get you there. You have to let the Holy Spirit convict you the way only he can, and then you embrace it, and then you run to the altar. You, you run to the feet of Jesus. You beg him to forgive you. You beat your breast like the publican. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You don't think about, well, I've been going to church. Well, I've been doing so good things. No, that's what the other guy did. And he went home unjustified. Religional, damn your soul to hell. No, this is about repentance. This is about acknowledging I am lost. This is not real to me. But something's going on inside. It's conviction. Don't fight it. Cling. Cling to Jesus. But what, what it'll mean is your life's over when you come down here. There's no picking up your life when you give it to Jesus. God wants to give you a new name. Being saved means you become a new creation. It means you don't do the things you used to. It means God comes to live inside of you. He gives you the power to live a holy life. He breaks the power of sin in your life. He gives you joy, real joy, peace that the world can't give you. So if God is speaking to anyone in that way, you need salvation. You need to come to this altar today. Now, get on your knees and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Today, Lord, is my day for salvation. Anyone online listening, don't wait another day. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you, if you know that you know you've been resisting God, you've been suppressing it, you've been a rebel, he's here today. His arms are open wide. You, you will receive grace he will welcome you if you come to him with your sins today. His arms are open wide. He wants to cleanse you. Anyone here, come to this altar.